previously on my first sketch. So uh, you should just call these characters Bob and David. Yeah, comedy, no rules. And then here are all these rules. And he called me and he's like, hey, we're meeting on Wednesday. Come over, bring bring it all. I, I like I, I think, you know, I want you to, I want we want you there. It doesn't it, it means something and it means nothing. Yeah. But I, I feel that we felt that if this is what happens when we do work, we should keep working. <laughs> we're really doing a show. They picked us over someone else that year, and I don't think they made the right choice. <laughs> Are you prepared to have supper every week on a Wednesday? Sometimes. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I am Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and you can get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars on whatever platform you choose to use. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. A few months ago, I celebrated 100 episodes of doing this podcast with talking to one of the first people I met when I started pursuing sketch comedy in Philadelphia. My first instructor, he's been a mentor over the years, and he's now a producing partner in Philly Sketch Fest, Brian Kelly of Secret Pants. If you want to revisit his first sketch... Go back and listen to episode 100, but here is more of my conversation with Brian. What's your earliest like memory of comedy? My earliest memory of comedy um, just got called into question, so I'll use this okay. instead. My earliest memory of comedy is SCTV, and it was Joe Flaherty and John Candy doing the 3D um, movie. Like they're like the like Joe Flaherty plays this Dracula esque mm-hmm. sort of character, and he's like, you know, join us for our scary movie night because they used to have that back then. Like yeah. they would have you know Friday Saturday night late night horror films. Uh, Elvira, Mistress Elvira, of the Dark. Elvira, yeah, uh, Sven like out of Chicago. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried, Up All Night on USA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I, this was well before that. Like, I'm, I'm actually talking about probably being three, four, like preschool into kindergarten. I got to watch comedy at a really early age. My parents trusted like they the tv worked <laughs> so like i i mean but that's what i i remember john candy and i remember joe flaherty and it was on pbs and the whole joke was that like it was all being done in 3d so instead of new needing glasses they would like would you like some pancakes and they just have a plate of pancakes and they'd be sliding yeah. it towards the screen and sliding it back and I just thought it was, I don't know what I, I just, everything I loved about it. And John Candy, I mean, like John Candy, every, 
I see I was seeing so many things with him in it, and I I don't know. There are just I feel like there are certain comedic yeah, personalities uh, you're drawn to, and he was one of them. Just in terms of like you you just see his face and you just you just want to watch him do whatever he yeah, does. Yeah, you're saying like four or five years old, which like if I'm mathematically putting it out, like that's the point where John Candy's like doing like multiple movies a year. Like I would say Splash. Like. This right, is okay, Splash so we're at the era. beginning of that, like... But, no, but, like, think about it, like, Stripes, yeah, Splash... Like, we're not quite into the Uncle Buck, Great Outdoors... Volunteers, um... No. Summer rental area yet, but we're still, like... No. In the start of, like, oh, John Candy's a massive person, like, He's not in star. his own movies, but he is the, like, you know... He's in two Tom Hanks movies, he's in... Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's got one with Bill Murray, and maybe, you know... I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, and also, uh, I used to watch Armed and Dangerous, Eugene Levy and John Candy and Meg Ryan. Okay. That, like, I don't know. I have so many VHS tapes back there of, like, weird comedies from the <laughs> 80s because we had HBO. Yeah. And um, that was that was big. I can tell you my first movie. First movie was Snow White. Uh, my second movie was either E.T. or Return of the Jedi. Like it's weird the, the kind of stuff that I got to see growing up because there was something about television that I music videos comedy it's just I feel like it's like my parents felt these things were safe for me. I mean you mentioned like SCTV as being one of the things but like your introduction to sketch comedy like um, I mean other like I mean SNL or when do you get to the point of like I don't even want to get to that point yet, but like, so SNL. When do you find SNL? Like, I found SNL through knowing what it was, like and not no, just, knowing the yeah. institution of it. Yeah. Okay. So knowing the institution of it. Um. All right. Uh. This is this surprised Jamie. Uh. But when I was seven years old, I was I had a TV in my room, and it was like a like a seven to eight inch TV, maybe ten tops, like something not like a small crazy like, but it was. I, like I said, I, I had problems putting myself to I sleep. I was probably about eight when I got like a little 13-inch. Yeah. Well, it was great. I would go upstairs. I could turn it on, watch Laugh-In. I watched SNL. Um, reruns. Laugh-In would have been on? Like Laugh-In reruns would have been on? Nick at Night was Oh, Nick at Night. Sure. Okay. Oh, man. Like from 7, 7 to 10, I was probably watching Nick at Night exclusively. Um, we didn't have a comedy channel. Not yet. Not and yet. No. They were the ones playing the sketch comedy shows. Yeah. So PBS would play SCTV, and that was very like it just. Again, you don't appreciate it. You can't appreciate. Right. It's weird. You can't appreciate it now, but back then it was like PBS. I th- I think I've talked about this before. Where PBS like a unicorn showed up, like right, just randomly that would happen. Like there was no. Rhyme or reason to scheduling it feels like certain times like even if you had TV Guide, which I read, that to me became my when the mail came. Yeah, that was the sort of the first piece of mail that I actually cared com- about, yeah. commandeered as my own. And my parents <laughs> were like, "Where's the TV Guide?" I'm like, "It's in my room, Brian. That's for everybody." And they're like, "Yeah, but I got these shows to watch, and I would I would be like looking. I I you looked. scheduled everything. Like I looked through the entire thing because I wanted to know." When I when things were on that I would either be interested in, or n- like it just was that thing like 
that was television at the time. See it or you miss it. Yeah. Or set your VCR. Yep. And that was tough for me. You know, that's why my dad recorded so much stuff because by the time I got home, those shows had already aired on television. I think like Transformers and G.I. Joe came on at like 3 and 3.30. I got home from yeah. school at 4. And that- yeah, if you went to school and you took the bus or whatever, you were like out of luck for that afternoon block of, yeah. of shows that I, I, t- I distinctly remember because I walked to school. So I was home right away. Like, but like, like it's weird. Like there's, yeah, like Snoopy come home, the Winnie the Pooh Disney film, um, GI Joe's like movie that not the Serpentor thing, but their first like made for TV sell some toys, just like a mm-hmm. one event thing, and then they did a five episode like we're gonna have a regular series, uh, and then Transformers came in with like a three episode uh you know pilot slash whatever it is, um, yeah, but comedy let's get off those those cartoons. <laughs> But comedy, I mean, not to say there aren't cartoons. Like, I, I, you end up there. You know, yeah. you definitely end up there. And there's plenty of great, car- like, what is it? The, um, I, I mean, Animaniacs and um, the uh, Tiny, and Tiny, and Tiny Toons. Tunes were, like, kids. they were, it, it really, and, and in many ways, I guess I can't, they are they are such a part of a different time. But there are times where I'm like, man, they used to, like, Looney Tunes were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like Mickey Mouse was everywhere. Now it's like Mickey Mouse is not gonna have a film no. in the theaters. M- Mickey Mouse is no longer a character and stuff. It's just a logo. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and that's the thing too. Like I'm trying. It's weird. Like you do things and and like you end up being like, look, there's Mickey, and you're like who? What? <laughs> you don't know about that. And even then, like when I found out about it, it was. We had these um, go to the video store, and there would just be you know these box sets of like Disney tunes. So it would be Hollow Notes, but they would like take Private Eyes, the song, and play Disney animation over it, and oh, like or, or like edit other things so it looked like you know Goofy was dancing or something, or if it was like an episode or of Donald Duck where he was like a an investigator. You know, they would like take all these other episodes or all these shorts and and put them together to, you know, rock and Disney. And I get it, like, but it it worked. I mean, I was, I was in. Yeah, yeah. But but as far as comedy goes, again, um, it it was just straight up Nick at Night. I mean, Dobie Gillis, Patty Duke, My Three Sons, um, the reruns of SNL, like Steve Martin blew my mind at that time. like he was just such an awesome like whenever i saw an episode where they'd say and featuring you know mm-hmm. that got that was great i loved al franken too which is really weird um considering i think like but i i just i just liked the cut of his jib back then um <laughs> especially as part of like i guess he was the 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 idiot of franken and davis or da- you know right the Al Davis, uh, Al, I'm sorry, Tom, Tom Davis, Al Franken duo. Yeah, I don't know if which one would be the. I always felt Tom was the 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 straight man, and and Al was the the that guy that was be. sort of was like slightly like just a little off. Yeah, that might be. Um. Yeah, so those were like Nickelodeon, Nick at Night. That got me to sleep. Um. 
I wasn't allowed to watch MTV after a while, which is sad because they put out comedy. They started putting comedy out. Yeah, but like we can make fun of them for not doing music videos anymore, but their first thing was going to comedy. Is like you you write it, we watch it, or you write it, we do, whatever they called it. You, the yeah. state eventually like downtown Julie Brown had a shit like I feel there was um sandblast there was they had like they had a bunch of um remote controlled or? Uh, remote control we watched at dinner like they were good they had good taste mm-hmm. and um so I think you know my mom was definitely the person that got me into SCTV she was like this is safe there's nothing wrong with it Everybody's being funny. He loves it. We're good. SNL, same thing. Like, man, eh, you know, whatever. Um, and you watch those episodes now, like the 80s episodes before, um, what do you call it? Lauren Michaels came back and you had the, um, what was it, the Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Michael mm-hmm. Hall year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's all it's all silly enough. It's Some of it's terrible, yeah. but it, it's pretty, you know. And then they showed it for years later. Like, I grew up and as a, I guess, what do you call it? Like, middle school, elementary, elementary into middle school, they were showing all those reruns. And I think there was only one rerun they wouldn't show for SNL. And it was the Ed Asner episode. Apparently, it was so bad that, like, there was just nothing redeemable about it. There was, like, not a good thing. Oh, well. And that's interesting because it's Ed, Ad- Ad- uh, Ed Asner. And you're like, oh, that, that, you know, why wouldn't that work? Yeah, who had you know, seven years on Mary Tyler Moore and then like, but it didn't. Hmm. Um, now they don't play them anywhere. And I don't even know if you can actually, like I go on to that NBC, everything's whatever SNL 360 sketches. And yeah. And I was looking up, I was like, you know, Rick Moranis, I wonder if he hosted SNL and he hosted twice. I did not know it was twice or I didn't even know it was, I, I, I assumed it could have been once early eighties, early eighties, both. Okay, so one. One for Strange Brew, because the McKenzie oh, wow. brothers broke out to that extent. Sure. So the McKenzie bro- Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis hosted SNL as the McKenzie brothers. Right, okay. And I watched that episode, and um, there's an, a brilliant Eddie Murphy monologue, or I'm sorry, uh, Weekend Update segment that's very interesting in terms of like where we're at now, and like Ronald Reagan, and he's just criticizing some like martin luther king jr day Mm. was not a holiday and reagan didn't want it to be and reagan was saying it's a slippery slope like where do we where do where do we stop and eddie murphy was saying where do we start (laughs) you know like it's not like we're just like it's not like a year from now we're going to be asking for like a a ridiculous holiday like this is a pretty important guy yeah you know and to me, like, even then, watching it now, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's, like, if this was happening, if we were making that. Like, if Martin Luther King Jr. didn't have his own day yet and we were still debating that. I don't know. I just, like, we had how the, are we debating that when Reagan was president? We had the debate a couple of years ago when they were talking about putting Harriet Tubman on the 20, like, instead of yeah. uh, Jackson. Like, I don't see the problem with it. But I, I, I'm, I'm okay. You put state birds or whatever or state like things in the back of quarters i i just don't care <laughs> just as long as it like as long as the vending machine accepts it i'm fine oh i mean and again like if you're gonna put important people on there or you know but it, 
some important stuff happened after we signed that declaration. <laughs> like, there's a lot more than just that that happened. I mean, Kennedy's on a half dollar. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's progress. Yeah, but no. he, <laughs> he was shot, so yeah. he had to do something. All right, uh, who's your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Phil Hartman. Yeah. I'm sure you get that a lot, but it's... Have you read his his book? There's a biography that came out a couple years ago. I haven't read it. I like it. It was good. Yeah, I I I have not read it. Um Yeah, I I Phil Hartman, it just it was interesting cuz like we would come in to school on Monday and I guess this was the like I guess starting with the year after um that whole like weird experimental cast. I guess Laura Michaels comes back. The the return, yeah. Yeah. And um it was after that that I started watching it semi-regularly. Mm. Like, it became something that I knew when it was on. It wasn't my, – my parents didn't need to tell me anymore. And if I could stay up, I could see it. And I got to see a lot of, like, you know, really awesome stuff. And I think that it was hard for me to discern, I think, watching as well. Like, oh, like the Farley Myers, bl- like, bleed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Dana Carvey leaving slash Kevin Nealon slash yeah. Adam Sandler coming in. Like all these – it just – but I, I can't think of a f- sketch that like Phil Hartman was in that – I don't know. I just – and I love news radio. Um, I think this might have more to do with news radio. I'm sorry. It, but it, but it, it definitely – fine. That question, that favorite SNL class member, like if it counts – like I just want someone that was on the show if it's – for reasons after the show, that's perfectly fine. No, it's too. on and off. Like news radio was a goldmine when he was on. There's so many like there's so many episodes of news radio that Phil Hartman makes so much better. I, I mean, yeah, Phil Hartman. I think like I feel like Phil Hartman can do anything. So seeing him play somebody so full of themselves, so braggadocious was was fun for me because it, it meant more of him yeah whereas he was this utility player and sometimes you you got a lot of phil and sometimes you got a little of him um but even then like there's an episode of um the what episode of sketch uh sprockets mm-hmm. and he's on there and he's like um like it's a dating game and yeah the, the house German on fire woman. house yeah. on fire yeah there's like it shocked me at the time and like it's one of those things where i can like i can hear it over and over again and still laugh just because he delivered it perfect it is very few i don't know i i would be hard pressed to find a sketch that he screwed up and i think that that's interesting now because so many sketches i feel get laughed through or yeah like, it's it's definitely different now there's there's an ease on that and I don't think that, like, if Phil Hartman was laughing through sketches, that would have been – like, it just wouldn't have been good. No, and uh, in the biography of him, um, it talks about, like, how – because at the time, when Phil Hartman left, he was the longest-tenured cast member. Mm-hmm. First five years or so, he's strictly utility player. He's playing – like, he has got no characters. He's got no – like, he's got impressions – but none of them really recur too often. He's Reagan, which probably is going to be the most recurring. But like, 
K-Man Lawyer doesn't show up until the 90s, until the second half of his run. And how many how many of them did they do? Not uh, a few, like probably less than five. I can think of at least two. Like, I, and, I feel like they I'm, didn't do And the I'm animal. only picturing them because of the foreman. Like, like I know okay. Dana Carvey was the jury foreman once. I know Schneider was the foreman once. Like, um, whatchamacallit, uh... Uh, what's her name? Siobhan Fallon was the judge oh, wow. once. Like, but like, uh, you know, then he got Clinton, which is another boon makes him bigger. But like, his Clinton's great. I don't I, you know. People like Daryl Hammond's Clinton uh, a lot, but I, I don't know. I, I, I like Phil Hartman's Clinton. That the Phil Hartman Clinton. I mean, the big one that everyone remember or is the most famous is probably you know the McDonald's sketch where he's on the jog and like, it's great. It's hilarious. I. One of the th- weirdest things about everything, <laughs> um, like, I guess in 88, it was Dukakis and Bush, and comedies, we had Comedy Central at that point. Mm. We finally had it, I think, or it was eight, or, or was it 92 that they did this? Maybe it was 92 with Bush and Clinton. Whatever one it was, I think it was Bush, they, they, they did, like, an indecision. They called it Indecision 92, and... Every night, Al Franken of, of like the Republican and Democratic conventions, they were live on Comedy Central. And I think Ariana Huffington was there. Like there were so oh, many crazy. different people and they were doing a version of Mystery Science Theater 3000 without the silhouettes. But they were just basically providing director's commentary throughout the entire convention. And they did this that year. They did it during the dole and bush year and i don't i think by that point like gore and i'm sorry dole and clinton um but by the gore and uh bush year like daily show was up and running yeah um yeah that to me like i would i love that like i would just sit there and listen to them make jokes at the politicians because i didn't get it i didn't i didn't get politics but i got jokes no my my first experience of like really politics was normatown doing bob dole like i didn't know anything else about bob dole other than norm mcdonald's impressionable have you ever asked anybody like it's this is an interest i may if i can ask you a question Mm -hmm. and this is an interesting question as i just (laughs) caught myself saying uh but i feel like weekend update is so separated from the rest of the show Mm mm-hmm so, have you ever asked people about Weekend Update? Like, who's your favorite? Like, I've new- never asked about the, the favorite anchor. It just seems to me like, and I feel it really, really separated once um, uh, Seth Meyers became the head writer and he was the host of Weekend Update. It was like, oh, like that's his job. But, but like, even if you think about it, like Norm Macdonald, when Norm Macdonald, like Kevin Nealon was the last, I, I'll say Kevin Nealon was the last anchor. That was still a part of the show. Norm takes over. He does a few sketches. He does Bob Dole. He does a couple characters. No, him and Colin. Yeah, yeah, him and Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn was rarely was on sketches when he took over. But he was though. He like he did like you know the Norm line. McDonald, he yeah, couple, he did the line. Like, Everybody knows the line. <laughs> he did, but like he wasn't like I don't think he was in sketches as much as the previous people. I don't remember. Jimmy Seth Fallon Mark. was still in sketches, yeah. but Tina wasn't. See, I don't know. I like. I feel like I, I saw her in videos. I, I um, feel they, like pre-tape stuff. I feel when like as live sketches. I don't think she did. 
but that's fine. Very many live sketches as a cast member. That I'm okay with. Right. But like if you show your face around in other places, and I just don't a- think Seth Meyers did do that. Amy and does it. Cons- Colin Jost. Amy didn't. was throughout the show, and yeah. now yeah, with Seth. Once Seth took over the desk, he backed away from yeah other stuff. I, yeah, I guess so. Because like bef- I mean, Brad Hall would be another person. Uh, he's Julia Louis Dreyfus's mm-hmm. husband, and he did the eighties. Um, well, I guess like t- like Mary Gross did that. As How much well. was Dennis Miller in other sketches? Right. No, no. I I mean, but he was. That's the thing. Like you would see, there were parts where they would get Dennis Miller involved. There were parts where they would get Norm Macdonald involved. Like, yeah, they did that, and that was probably a lot of the focus of their time. But it didn't totally monopolize their ability to be in different things. Like I I just felt that there, I don't know. Like I could I could there. I feel like there's probably. Uh, that's not a you know, feel, feeling is not enough, <laughs> but um, it just seems to me like my memory is that those those performers, writers got to be in other stuff. And now if you see Colin Jost in like another sketch, it's very like, what? rare. What's he doing in the sketch? And it's a one joke. It's yeah. a really quick thing. Yeah, for sure. And I and it's in like I, I know it's weird because like Michael Che is also there. But I see him in sketches, and I'm like, now that there, good. Like that's. But I even feel like why he's, not? That's a very rare thing too. Like, well, he's. A, I feel like he's an exception just because of the fact that he was on the show writing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, he was on the show writing, and then they, and then he wanted to be, the host, of the update, and that didn't happen, and he left for Daily Show, and then they were like, come, come on, come back, <laughs> and he came back, and they co-hosted. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, I I don't know. Che had a really, like, sometimes uh, I follow Che on Instagram, and like sometimes, like, he's got, like, killer jokes. Like, two days ago, he made fun of Jost for, like, an hour. That's great. Just of, like, how white he is, and, like, and he, like, intimating that Jost is a racist, and, like, just all, like, hilarious stuff about, like, uh, I forget exactly what it was, but it was, like, birthday presents that he had gotten, Keenan. Chris Red <laughs> and Michael Che, like that's funny. Oh, oh no the the one joke was uh, Colin asked me to get him a bottle of aspirin, and when I opened it and pulled the con out, like Joe, I forget what the joke that Joe said, but like whatever, like it was just oh my god, Che, what are you doing? It's awesome. Like it was like oh, you're picking cotton, just like you know, like going back and but like Che, the the characters that Che and Joe's play now, like. You know, Joseph is Harvard educated, and I, th- I think I think he's one of the Harvard guys now. Like, and Ch- and Che is, yeah, I mean, street smart, sneakers. Clearly, doesn't like wearing the suit. He's a stand-up comedian, and Colin Jost is like the guy that would work for the Lampoon. Yeah, and be which good, I think he did, and be a really good writer, and not necessarily, or if he performed, you know, like. There was no pressure. I'm on board with the current update, no matter what other people say. I like them. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that dynamic, and I like that they, if they don't get along. Oh, I no, they, they're I, like, like I feel like everything is just like. I think it's tongue and cheek. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's full on. Like, I appreciate. I, his... I, I believe they're office mates now. Okay, I like it. Like, I just like that. Jake constantly reminds people, like, oh, I'm a racist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's, it's, it's. Uh, like I don't care about the story, <laughs> and like that's my favorite lead into something because 
it's like, well, I guess I better. I I was told that I had to come up with something on this, so <laughs> otherwise I would have avoided it. What would be the biggest piece of general advice you would give to a new writer? Um, read every page after you're done, it and yeah. critically think whether or not it's necessary. And the reason I say that is because I feel new writers are kind of like it's like a new construction like somebody's like i'm gonna pick up a hammer today mm. and like i guarantee you the first couple of nails are gonna go in a little crooked yeah so why don't you take this piece of board over here and you know do whatever it is but don't nail it into the building and then you know when you feel like you've got a better handle at it like start there that's where we want to start when you're here and I, I don't know like we're not writing simpsons episodes we're not like trying to fake out the audience about like what's there is misdirection but i i don't there's a difference between misdirection and just oh like this was a like we could have had this one and a half page conversation in in three sentences yeah or two uh that's my that's my big thing like that's other than that, uh, I guess the second I'll give you part one one A and one B. <laughs> one B is um, is really sad, but just the same thing happening over and over again, like like to the point that there aren't jokes, mm -hmm. and you're writing about something that is. Like, can you believe this person? But when you actually try and think about acting that out on stage, it's unbelievable. And even then, it's like, there's just, I'm not, there there, there weren't any, like, no jokes were written. It was just sort of, they want you to witness this scene and see it the way they saw it and experienced it in real life. And you just want to be like, yeah, that's crazy. But I don't have anything else to say. Yeah. Because I don't want to watch the reality I would rather like, what did that make you feel? What did that remind you of? What is that like? Like, how can you, how can you, and this is the sad part. How can you do what a standup does and, and like bring that into context for everybody in the room who mm -hmm. shares different context? It's a big disappointment of, of what I feel in Philadelphia. Like right now for the scene is that like stand up. I know dog mountain was a group of stand up writers um, working in a sketch comedy group, but I just want to see more stand-ups in in Philly write sketch. It just bothers me. Like I just feel like there's there's people that have the means to shoot and edit and do really good jobs, and there's the people that have like stand-up bits that are ready made to be shot. I don't know. Yeah, there's just stuff that like that that like it's like, hey, you're all, you're all like upset about like where am I going? Where's my dr like just. You got to figure out how to make things work. You got to become indispensable. You got to become uh, added value to, to, to something and, and figure out what that is. Figure out how you can make something, you know, um, work or better or you're, you're realizing something that nobody else is expecting. I don't know. Preparing for problems. Those are the two things starting two to three pages in and just 
that's a really interesting story, but it's not a sketch. It's just it's just a really interesting story. And yeah. and uh, finally, between speak, secret pants teaching producer at Sketchfest, why do you still do it? Why is comedy one of your hobbies? Why is comedy one of the time reasons you, one of the ways you spend your time? Do you want the real answer, like like the sad answer? However, you whatever want to do want, it. Uh, no, like I don't. Uh, like you can make a joke about it or or whatnot, but I I honestly believe it's because um, I you know. Uh, I'm sad, you know, um, I'm sad and I, I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think there are a lot of people like me that feel the same way for different reasons or maybe even the same reasons. Um, I feel comedy is an escape. I mm-hmm. feel that when I'm thinking of something that I think is funny and then I'm relating it to somebody else and they think it's funny i get a i get a good feeling like i've i don't know it's just it's just a, a good feeling um i've had experiences acting on stage that have been horrible and awesome and they've informed me in terms of like professional stuff like how to behave how not to behave um, because I, I never had that that training necessarily, but I can't stop coming back to comedy. I mean, it just it makes me it makes me happy. Um, it 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 challenges me, and I just I need it. I I I need it. I <laughs> I can't answer you in any other way than I need it. I I need comedy in my life. Um. And I see people, I know people <laughs> that look at comedy and it's just fun all the time. Mm. And it's not an escape necessarily in that way. Right. You can be happy and you can do comedy and you can be depressed and you can do comedy. But um, there's just something, I, I need it. I need comedy in my life. I've, I've had it. Um, I'm dependent on it. And... Um, it's not good enough for me to watch it all the time. It's not good enough for me to perform it all the time. Like there's, there's pluses and minuses to both and, but I need it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Brian and the rest of Secret Pants are hosting their annual holiday spectacular called Nights in Santa's Service at Johnny Brenda's in Philadelphia on December 21st at 9 p.m. Announced acts include Cups and a Half, Daryl Charles, Allison Zeidman, Jeff Jackson, Randy Warhol, Rebecca Rickards, and the return of Rowan and Hastings. I say this every year. It's a show I look forward to all year long. And if you're anywhere near Philadelphia, you should go.
My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.